Welcome to Briefly Legal, your podcast briefing on legal news, developments, and legislation on the go. Brought to you by the attorneys of Crow and Dunleavy. The following should not be understood as or considered a substitute for legal advice. Visit CrowDunleavy.com for more information. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Adam Childers, with the podcast Briefly Legal, brought to you by the law firm of Crow and Dunleavy. I'm here in the Crow's Nest in downtown Oklahoma City on a little bit of a rainy and uh, dreary uh, March day, but that does not dull the excitement that I have for today's podcast. That's because I'm joined today by a very special guest, an attorney at the law firm of Crow and Dunleavy by the name of Cliff Hudson, but you may know him better as the former CEO of Sonic Corp. Say hello to everyone, Cliff. Hello, Adam. Glad to be with you today. I appreciate the opportunity to visit. Well, thanks. And I appreciate having you here. And we've got, uh, you know, a lot to talk about today. We're going to be focused a lot on uh, your book, Master of None. It's a focus on leadership uh, as told through tales of your own life and the lessons that you've learned. It's a book that I enjoyed. Uh, I actually do a lot of my books these days on Audible. And Mm. so I uh, got to listen to you because you narrated the book in addition to writing it. So you're a man of uh, many skills, Uh, (laughs) you know, perhaps master of none. But uh, we'll we'll, we'll talk about that as we go along. But uh, for our audience, before we dive into it, I do want you to know just a little bit more about Cliff and the very interesting uh, life that he has led. Cliff brings more than four decades of legal and business experience to his corporate governance and compliance practice as a member of the law firm of Crow and Dunleavy's Corporate and Securities Practice Group. As you may know, and as I alluded to just a moment ago, Cliff is the former chief executive officer of Sonic Corp., where he also served in several other uh, roles that preceded that position, including general counsel, chief financial officer, and chief operating officer. And under his leadership, Sonic sales increased from $861 million to $4.5 billion. That's billion with a B. Hmm. Uh, so quite a nice return on investment, uh, to be sure, under Cliff's leadership. During that time, he was also a frequent guest on Bloomberg News, CNBC, and Fox Business News. And so we're very lucky to have him on the podcast today and to visit about, as I said, his new book, Master of None, regarding leadership and what he has learned through all of these experiences. So thanks, Cliff. And I really am excited to talk to you about the book. I very much enjoyed it. Let's just talk generally here for a second uh, about kind of the philosophy behind it. What does it mean to be a master of none? Well, I think that the uh, the way I came about the book was to line out first the you know the key themes and stories I wanted to tell, the points I wanted to make in the book, and it really was intended to be a leadership book. It was also though intended to talk about the way that had developed for me in my in my life. And oftentimes, I think there are uh, leadership books that perhaps can present someone from almost a more, uh, I hate to say it, but a little bit more autocratic style about how someone achieves something. And yet, from my standpoint, I really kind of wanted to talk about how, uh, particularly related to the business career and the business leadership, I hadn't studied business. My undergraduate degree was in history. My graduate work was obviously in law. 
So I, I kind of want to talk about how I backed into the business piece. And I have to say, too, though I started developing leadership skills as a young person, easily junior high and then into high school, I didn't really see it that way until much later in my life. And so I did view myself as um, not a master of much of anything, but I did know I achieved quite a few things and I believed I had done that in no small part by enjoying a variety of things in my life. So the subtitle of the book is as important as the title. The title, of course, is Master of None. The, the subtitle is How a Jack of All Trades Can Still Reach the Top. So there was a desire to tell the story consistent with my path, and, and of course it is my story, but also to tell a story that many young people today in looking at a rapidly changing economy, looking at a rapidly changing nature of the workforce and the skill sets you have to have in the workforce, it was to say, particularly to a younger crowd, um, you know, be careful. Don't focus on something as though you, you must have this skill at 21 and that's going to lead you through your career. Rather to say, you know, be open about it. Keep your head up. Keep your eyes open. Uh, keep your mind open to new opportunities. And then the stories, of course, go through how to think about those opportunities as they come along. And you, too, can have an interesting career along the way without knowing at 21 what it is you're going to do because you don't know. And you can't know. No, that that's absolutely right. And and it was interesting to me in reading it that in some ways it's a little bit at odds with or incongruent with some of uh, a lot of the leadership studies or, or some of the just theory that was out there maybe even 10, 15 years ago. In fact, I think you mentioned uh, Malcolm Gladwell in the prologue to your book and talk about the fact that, you know, he had this idea that it takes 10,000 hours to, to do something to become an expert at it. Right. And and I remember myself included, you know, as a, a, a young parent of a, a budding soccer star, I, I put that to, to use in my own life. And, and yet I think back on those times now and I sort of juxtapose that experience to what I learned about in reading your book. And you've got kind of a, a different view altogether of how that comes together. Talk, speak yeah, to that if you and will. I had to say, uh, mine is not um, 10,000 hours on much of anything <laughs> because uh, I have enjoyed throughout my life. I have enjoyed, you might say, dabbling, you know, and, I, and I've enjoyed that over time doing a variety of things and probably not becoming, you know, much of an expert in too much of it, you know. So um, uh, I think this, uh, uh, let me say, first of all, the theme of the book and the focus of the book is not in no way intended to contradict, you know, Malcolm Gladwell. He talks about people who have been on certain paths and how they prepare and the expertise they, they develop. And I don't for a minute uh, challenge the accuracy uh, nor the import of that, depending on what a person wants to do and how they're willing to go about it. So... If it is someone who becomes a, a, an expert viol violinist, or uh, perhaps uh, more so if we think about specialties in medicine, uh, when I go to a specialist in a certain medical area, I'd like to know that they really got dedicated to that and have spent more time doing that than anything else in their life, <laughs> you know. And uh, and and if they told me. Um, no, I stayed at a Holiday Inn last night, you know, or whatever it is. You know, my, my reaction is, well, I'll, I'll explore it a little further then. 
But the point is, I think if a person, first of all, if they have it in their weave, that they're willing to stay that focused on a single thing repeatedly at 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, then some of that's a predisposition towards that kind of, you know, if you want to call it that, um, the obsession you know, with a single singular focus. I never had that kind of obsession, and I enjoyed dabbling. I enjoyed dabbling choral music, a variety of uh, musical instruments, you know, particularly through my teen years. My first, uh, uh, you know, probably a little unusual these days, my first instrument I received from my parents as a gift was a mandolin. Hmm. And, you know, how many people are you going to hear that from? Well, not, many. Not, not too many. So you might say, okay, well, so then you move the guitar. No, my second instrument was a banjo. But each of those I kind of did in a self-taught fashion. Then I picked up a guitar. Then I picked up piano. And so through my teen years, music was one of the biggest parts of my life. I enjoyed sports a lot. And I did well in baseball, but, uh, you know, I quit that in my teen years. I got tired of the curveball coming at me, you know, <laughs> wondering when it was going to break, you know, before it broke me. And uh, But I enjoyed wrestling. I did that for several years, excelled at it, enjoyed cross-country. In high school, I, I lettered in one year cross country. So I thought, okay, I already made varsity. What's next? And I didn't go out, to, didn't even go back to cross country the next year. Uh, ultimately, for me in high school, I really got into student leadership activities. So, the, from my standpoint, um, with my personality, I would have had difficulty trying to do ten thousand hours on anything. Would have broken my spirit. You know, I think to do that. But I think there are people for whom that fits wonderfully and, and more power to them. And it's a comforting note that you have in the book, which is if you are restricted to only doing those things that you put that kind of intensity in in your younger years, then what hope do you have later in life when you might want to pick something up and, and you can still be a master of none and enjoy those things and better uh, complement and round out your life, which I, you know, I thought that was a positive message to, to receive. You just mentioned um, your high school leadership activities. I must confess, I did not realize you, you went to class. And is that right? Northwest class. Northwest class. class. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I, I didn't realize all the, the famous alums that came from that high school until I heard it in your book. Uh, tell me, I think, uh, Elizabeth, Senator Warren, uh, as well as Vince Gill. Yes. Ed Ruscha, the artist, uh, um, um, Mason Williams, another artist. Uh, um, his was more music and comedy, whereas Ed Ruscha was more painting. And um, at, at any rate, so I like to list those four or five and they say, and of course, me, you know. So I was uh, going to say, don't of... leave yourself out of that <laughs> list there. Now, you had mentioned too, um, Claire Looper, uh, known for civil rights activism yes. uh, in Oklahoma City, I, I believe was. Um, teaching their time. I don't know if you got the benefit of learning, but may your, your twin sister did. My twin sister had her for history. Uh, and interestingly enough, I, you know, my class was two doors down. Uh, I, I had a team teaching uh, group that a man and a woman that had tremendous impact on me in terms of academic development. I would have enjoyed having Claire Looper, but I didn't have that opportunity. My, my twin sister, who became a teacher, uh, has wonderful recollections of Claire Looper and, and talks about it still. So, well, it's wonderful to hear that that kind of heritage and legacy from uh, Northwest Classen, which is just one of many kind of fascinating pieces of uh, you know your childhood and in, into your your later years that get showcased within the book. Of course, we can't discuss this without talking about one of the centerpieces, which is your time at uh, Sonic Corp. I was fascinated to hear 
the story of how you became the CEO and in and, and rather unexpected fashion, right. uh, I guess without giving away the all the story that the, our, the listeners can learn from reading the book, uh, give us a glimpse into how that happened and what that was like. Well, part of the part of it is a, a chapter in which I talk about that. The chapter is, uh, is just say yes. And the idea is if you're not saying yes, then you're closing the door to opportunity. And so uh, I kind of well, I want to make that point to particularly a young reader. And in my case, I was general counsel for eight years. I was presented the opportunity quite unexpectedly to be CFO. And so I just said yes. I felt like I did develop some corporate finance expertise on the job. I had no educational training in that area. Everything was on the job training on the finance or accounting side. I was CFO for a year. And, and my boss uh, asked me if I wanted to be chief operating officer and kind of take over day-to-day operations. At this point, I've been at the company nine years and had learned a lot about it again through on-the-job training. So I said yes and really thought, you know, this really puts me in a much more of a business track. And, and uh, I can always go back to law, but uh, it'll be interesting to have the management experience, pure management experience. Uh, about a year and a half into the COO job, I went to um, uh, a board meeting one day, and uh, my boss told the board he was leaving the company and had another job lined up. And they said, when are you leaving? He said, right now. And and he left. And uh, the board asked me to leave the room. I came back in. They said, you want to be CEO? And and uh, so I said, sure, why not? You know, you may, you're not going to get the chance if you don't say yes. So the theme of the chapter is, you know, just say yes and then find out what the opportunity is. And, and if you got to reverse course later, you can reverse course. But if you say no, you've closed the door. But I do want to say, while that happened on a single day, you know, you've, you've heard the saying, um, you know, uh, an overnight success just took nine years of preparation or whatever. And mm. in my case, yes, it was one day when the board said, do you want to be CEO? Um, that was the spring of 95. I had been with the company by that time 11 years. I'd helped orchestrate two leverage buyouts, one IPO, and enormous license renegotiations and business strategy and so on. So while it was a sudden thing at a board meeting like that, the fact is I'd had years of preparation to get to know the company. And I'd also had a a real close apprenticeship on the day-to-day management, the ongoing strategy development, the implementation of business plans, you know, for three or four years before uh, I became CEO. So I don't want to make that sound as though they came out of the blue. That's because that's not the point. The point of that chapter is you got to say yes to an open door in order to find out what's on the other side. A lot of hard work goes into making sure that door opens, but when it does, be ready to say yes and take advantage. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And a lot of that, so that's a great point because a lot about career development, life development is work hard, get prepared. You can't make the door open, but you work to be prepared when the door does open and then be ready to to march through. Seize that opportunity. Seize the opportunity. That's exactly right. So one thing I also wanted to ask you about, I've just not been in this unique uh, circumstance before where I've actually listened to a book and gotten to speak to both its author and narrator at the same time. What what was it like sitting down in a sound booth and narrating your own life and talking about the lessons learned? Um, did that feel odd, empowering? What would that feel like? Well, a couple of responses to that. One is, um, 
it is a little funny to sit down in a booth for several days and read your story. Yeah, I, I hadn't done that before. At the same time, when they told me um, after the book was finished that they wanted to do an audio book, uh, one, I was surprised. You know, I'm surprised I did the book, much less the <laughs> audio piece, you know. And so uh, they said, do you want to read it? And I, my reaction to that was, well, who else is going to read my book? You know, I mean, and then beyond that was, why should anybody else be the narrator of my book? I should be the narrator of my book. So I didn't, they asked me if I wanted to do it. Otherwise, they'd hire somebody to do it. And, and my reaction is, no, I got to do my own book. And so it, it was an interesting experience to sit in a, uh, a little dark booth. I mean, frankly, I also did that really as the uh, pandemic was exploding. So it was a little funny to go to a, a recording studio, and I went with every kind of clean wipe I could go <laughs> with, you know, exactly. and, and uh, did it for several days. And, and uh, uh, so it was, it, was a very, it was a different experience, but I'm glad I did it. Uh, I haven't gone back and listened to it. Maybe I should... Take it on a road trip sometimes. There so. you go. There you go. Well, I'm glad you did it too because I very much enjoyed my time uh, listening to the book. I think uh, our listeners will have a good time uh, reading it in the old-fashioned style out of uh, a book or listening to it, uh, you know, wherever they uh, digest their their online book resources. But uh, I think it's a, a fantastic book, wonderful stories, and I think uh, I would commend it to anyone who's looking for a good read uh, to learn, you know, not only more about your life but just about uh, leadership in general and how to be a, a master of none. Um, I should also put in a plug uh, for Cliff. He's uh, a podcaster in his own right, mm. um, has a, uh, a podcast in support of the book. And, and as you might imagine, it's called Master of None. There you go. Uh, with Clifford Hudson. And so um, in addition to enjoying this podcast today, I would encourage all of you to get up there and listen to that podcast and learn more about Cliff's vision of uh, being a master of none. Thank you, Adam. Of course. And thanks for being here today. So before we close out, we do want to make sure and announce uh, who will be receiving a signed copy of Master of None. Prior to today's podcast, we encouraged on some social media platforms for folks uh, to uh, put word out and, and, and put their name in the contest. We want to give a big shout out and thanks to everyone who participated by sharing those posts from our Facebook and our LinkedIn and our Twitter platforms. And so without further ado, I want to give uh, congratulations to Sharon as well as Michelle, and finally, all our good friends at the Oklahoma City Human Resources Society who put in uh, uh, on behalf of the organization. All three of them are our big winners. You now are the proud owners of signed versions of the, the book, Master of None. Uh, we will be contacting each of you via direct message and we'll coordinate sending you these new books. I hope that you all enjoy them uh, every bit as much as I did. So that's a wrap for today. Thank you again, uh, Cliff, for joining us for today's episode. We really enjoyed it. And thanks to you, our listeners, for joining us as well. Until next time, this is Adam Childers. I'll meet you next time on Briefly Legal. <laughs>